You look in a mirror, and as you look in that mirror, you truly see uh, what is there in front of you. Even that mirror that was full of witchcraft in the movie Snow White was able to tell who was the fairest of them all, right? It wasn't the old hag, the queen, uh, but it was the uh, beautiful Snow White and uh, her sweetheart uh, that she had. And I'm here today to let us know that there's several mirrors that are found in the Word of God. And though I'd like to preach about all of them this morning, I don't have the time to do so. Maybe we can pick some of these up later. There's the mirror of the love of God in 1 Corinthians 13. There's the mirror of the Spirit of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There's the mirror of God's Word in the epistle of James. Several mirrors in our King James Bible, you'll find that the word mirror is uh, written as the word glass. Uh, the word glass. You'll find that oftentimes uh, as you read your Bible. You'll find the word glass as a, uh, another word for the word mirror. The word mirror. I said that to somebody the other day. I said, uh, I said, you need to look in the mirror. And they said, what? I said, the mirror. And they said, what? I said, the mirror. And they said, oh, okay, yeah, I got it now. So I uh, apologize. I uh, know my southern accent doth betray me. So, uh, uh, so, but anyhow, we need to see today a, a mirror that is not like these other three that I just mentioned, but rather is a mirror that we too often spend time in front of, that we need to be careful that we don't spend too much time in front of this and evaluating our lives by this particular mirror that we find in Isaiah chapter number 3. It was something in which the ladies of Israel had put a special emphasis on. And if you read this morning after you got out of here, Isaiah chapter number 3, you would not find that it is the most encouraging chapter there is in the Bible, okay? It's not. Let's just face it. It is a chapter of judgment. <laughs> I mean, it is judging everybody from the smallest to the greatest. I mean, the chapter judges little children, okay? I mean, when, you, when the Bible judges little kids, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty much uh, from, from, from beginning to end. It's all over the place. But what is happening here in Isaiah 3 is that Isaiah... Uh, by God's word and by God's grace, is, is trying to bring the people back to an understanding of where their focus truly needs to be at, of where their focus needs to be. And that's what I hope to do today, is to draw our focus of where our focus needs to be. What is truly beautiful in life? What is beautiful in life? I, I, don't think that, I think that all of us could agree that there are certain scenes in nature that are beautiful. I don't think you have to be lost or saved to recognize that. We could all probably ride over to the Grand Canyon and say, that's a beautiful scene. Watch the sunset come down over that beautiful place there in Arizona and say, man, that's a beautiful scene. That's a beautiful scene. Or maybe we ride out to the, the, the beaches of Pensacola, Florida, and you look out across those, I mean, white sandy beaches. I mean, this is white as, as white as that piece of paper right there. And a beautiful blue sea. And you say, man, that's a beautiful scene. That's a beautiful scene. 
When I got engaged to my wife, uh, some of you ladies will think this is beautiful. I uh, was uh, out on a pier, and uh, we were in Pensacola, Florida. It's a beautiful bay setting, and I took her. The sun was setting, perfect time. And I got down on one knee, and I asked her, will you marry me? And about the time I said that, she said yes. And, and as she said that, dolphins started jumping out of the bay. I mean, I mean, I was paying those dolphins lots of money. I mean, I, mean, I had a trainer out there. I mean, it was just a beautiful. You ladies are already wiping away a little tear right now. It's so, so beautiful. It's a beautiful scene. You know, we all can say, yeah, there are certain things that are beautiful, and we truly know that in Ecclesiastes that uh, the world that we see now around us in many ways looks ugly. Amen? I, 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 the, the world looks ugly. People are hurting each other. Uh, people are, are doing bad things. People are hurting each other. People are murdering each other. People are uh, doing bad things to each other. And we know that truly that in His time that God will make all things beautiful. In his time, okay? And a lot of us need to lay hold on that promise this morning. In his time, all right? And I enjoyed the messages from Brother Atkins this past week. They were great messages. They are messages to encourage us and to lift us up. If you missed any of them, I encourage you to go back to uh, online and pick those up. This morning, I want us to focus in and hone in on what do we really consider to be beautiful. You've all heard the phrase before, the idiom, beauty is in the eyes of the, what? Beholder. And I want us today to be able to see what God beholds as beautiful. What does God see as beautiful? And the way we're going to have to do that is we're always going to have to start negatively. We're going to have to start negatively and we're going to have to work through this first point and see that There are some things that the world that is around us says is beautiful. And it may on the outside be appear beautiful, but God sees much deeper than the outside, right? Beauty is more than what? Skin. It's skin. You know, it's it's, it's more. It goes deeper than what's on the outside. It goes down to the inside. And Isaiah chapter number 3, in verse number uh, 16, the Bible says this. It says, Moreover, the Lord saith, Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched out necks and wanton eyes and walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet. In verse 18 it says, In that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their calls and their round tires like the moon, the chains and the bracelets and the mufflers and the bonnets and the ornaments of of the legs and the headbands and the tablets and the earrings and the rings and the nose jewels and the changeable suits of apparel and the mantles and the wimples and the crisping pins, the glasses and the fine linen, the hoods and the veils. And it shall come to pass, and instead of a sweet smell, there shall come up a stink, and instead of a girdle, a rent, instead of a well-set hair, baldness, instead of a stomacher, a girding of sackcloth, and, instead of, and burning instead of beauty. We want to see, first of all, this morning, that beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, and so many times I believe that even as Christians, if we're not careful, what we can end up doing is we can be, saying, be looking at things that we say are beautiful. This is the definition of beautiful. This is what defines beauty. But God is saying, no, it's not. It's not. In fact, I, I read this passage here, but 
in case you're thinking I'm just picking on the women or the Bible is picking on the women, then let's look at Matthew 23, 27. And Jesus says to the men, the scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you are like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. And he said unto them, now you do Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the, and the bladder, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. It doesn't matter if you're man or woman this morning. It doesn't matter if you're boy or girl or teenage man or teenage girl or whatever it is, is that all of us can have a wrong look. A wrong look. And I don't mean what we're wearing, a look. I mean by what we're seeing, a look. We can have a wrong look. These women in Isaiah chapter number 3 had established that uh, what true beauty was and what their true focus was, was what they were wearing. Uh, And maybe you were kind of caught off guard by some of the things that they were wearing. Uh, And so I'll define a couple of those for you. Uh, They had a tinkling feet. Uh, Simply meant this is that they they were actually wearing ankle bracelets that uh, had little bells or little tinkling on them. So that when they walk it would actually draw attention to themselves and people would say, oh here comes a beautiful woman. Uh, They uh, wore calls. Uh, that was mean they had an interweaving, uh, usually gold or silver, within their hair. They had round moons, uh, uh, pennants, or they had brooches or earrings or tight necklaces around the neck that were in representation of a half moon or the crescent moon. I thought nobody wears anything like that anymore, but I saw on the news, I saw a lady wearing these big old huge earrings with big huge crescent moons on them. I thought, well, there you go. I mean, I mean, people still wear that kind of stuff. And everything. I'm not judging the lady, okay? No, don't get me wrong, all right? I'm just saying that's what she was wearing. Um, he says that uh, you've got your chains. Well, we kind of know what that is. That's a, 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 a necklace right there. A chain could also meant that you had a nose ring and an ear ring and you had a chain going from your nose to your ear. Uh, they wore mufflers, all right? They, they, didn't take, they didn't go down to Mason's shop and grab a muffler off a of diesel or anything like that and strap it on their back or anything. Um, a muffler uh, was a long veil that would muffle their, their voice or maybe something over their face. I mean, we're wearing those all the time now, aren't we? Mufflers, those, you know what I mean? Having to wear those crazy things. And you know, it's funny. And, you know, and I, I, this has nothing to do with the message, but I just, I don't know. But maybe I shouldn't say that. I mean, if it, has no, it does have something to do with the message, all right? Isn't it amazing that, that, that whenever these whole face masks came out, it wasn't long till, till you found out that people were having like designer face masks, right? You know what I mean? You had, like, you had all these designer looks, and you got to have this look and that look, you know what I mean? We're not just content with that blue rag across our face, you know? Um, the bonnets, uh, head dressing, tablets, uh, they weren't on their iPads, okay, or anything like that, you know? Uh, tablets were actually little boxes of perfume that they would put and open up, and so when you walked by them, you would be able to smell them. Mantles, long cloaks or coats. Wimples, what are wimples? Uh, they were wide coats, cloaks or coats that they would wear. So not just a cloak that would go over them, but wide cloaks and, uh, that would go out and they would uh, almost like a bridal dress in, in a way. And crisping pins, what were those? Uh, those were, and you ladies still have those today, uh, your little wallets that have the little... Uh, Little crisping pins, a little thing that opens up and it just kind of clips, clasp like that, that little clasp that goes like that. We still use those today. And so little crisping pins, little wallets, and everything like that. Uh, this is what consumed. Understand, God is not mad that women are wearing these things. 
Go over to the book of Ezekiel. And, he find, he, and if you'll find almost the exact same list to those that will believe and follow God and live for the Lord, he says, I will give you these. So get what I'm saying this morning. That the focus, that what's taking center stage in Isaiah is appearances, is looks. That's what it is. And, and I believe that God knows that, that for, for women this can be something that's of a temptation. Uh, the Bible even says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, in like manner also that the women should uh, that, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with works, with good works. He knew and God understands that, that, that women can have an idea that I've got to look this way, I've got to have these things, I've got to dress this way, and that can become such a focus. And what if we're not careful, what you'll end up doing is you'll end up looking at the magazines or what's on TV, and you'll say, that's the way I've got to look. And you dress, and the temptation is to dress provocatively, to dress worldly, to dress gaudy, if you will, and that is out there. And God is teaching us here that that's a wrong look. Glasses there is, the, is the word I found in verse number 23. They had their glasses. They had their mirrors. They had their compacts. They were always out. Do they, do, you have, ever, do they still use compacts anymore? I think that's what my mom used or anything. But they, they had them, and they were always checking themselves, always looking at themselves. And I understand I'm not a woman, okay? I, okay, I know it's a profound statement, all right? All right, but I, I, I understand that, that, that women are different than men in that, in that statement right there. But understand this, too, that men are not that much better. I mean, look at the Pharisees. I mean, they love to go about in their long robes, in their phylacteries. What's a phylactery? Uh, that was these little boxes that they would put on their wrists and on their foreheads. The Orthodox do still, still do that today. Uh, they were concerned with, with, the, with the way they looked. They con- concerned. Uh, think about Absalom. I mean, the, Absalom was so concerned about his looks that he only cut his hair one time a year. And he was so concerned and so proud about his hair that he actually weighed his hair, all right, on how much it weighed, okay? It was pretty heavy weight, I think it was, all right? Uh, he was so concerned about his looks that he made a statue of himself, all right, and had everybody look at it, all right? Uh, men, I mean, they've got, they've got the. I mean, men can get so so wrapped up into this today. And our mirror today is not so much the the mirror that's on the wall, uh, the, but our mirror is that phone. Selfies. So everybody wants to look at. They want to look at themselves. And let's just touch this for a second. How many politicians? How many people? How many pastors have gotten trouble sending ungodly, wicked photos? To somebody else. What are we? We're, we're just consumed with me, with me, with me. And the focus is on the external. It's the wrong look. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God doesn't care about the way you look. God does care about the way you look. And people see you the way you look. The Bible says that man looketh on the outward appearance, all right? And don't let any of us say here, well, I don't judge anybody by the way they look. Let somebody walk in here dressed in all black, wearing a long black trench coat, and tell me how you feel. You tell me how you feel when that, if that were to happen. Well, I don't know their heart. Well, yeah, you might not know their heart, and they might mean well. And I'm not saying that they don't, but the point being is this, is that people see us from the outside. They can't see the heart. They can't see the heart. Appearances matter to God. 
I believe there ought not to be any confusion in these, in these matters. Uh, men ought to look like men and women ought to look like women. In the beginning, God created them male and female. The law, even in Deuteronomy, forbade cross-dressing. All right? The law puts a high standard on what dress is and what modesty is and what appropriateness is. God gave very specific orders to the priest on what they should wear. I mean, he was so specific in there. I counted over 100 references on, uh, on, on dress, on what people should wear in the Bible. Go back to your Bibles in the book of Genesis. God was not satisfied with the skimpy little fig leaves that they were wearing. But what he made them was coats of skin. I do not agree with a lot of the modern day Adam and Eve pictures that are drawn for us of what God, what they look like after the garden. They've got Eve wearing a bikini and they've got Adam wearing some little skirt thing, you know what I mean? The Bible says they were wearing coats of skin. It means they were dressed, all right? There was no nakedness that was involved in them. What I'm saying this morning is this, is that Yes, look sharp, look well. You know, when we were in Tennessee, there was a group of folks that made their women dress to the hilt, and the men could dress like slobs. Such a double standard. They made their women look this way, but they could dress any way they wanted to dress. Such a double standard there. Men, there's not a double standard on women and men here. Men, we're just as susceptible to putting focus on the appearance. And if it's not the clothes, if it's not that I'm wearing a, a, a Calvin Klein suit or, or, or that I've got to have a Gucci purse or that I've got to wear uh, Johnson and Murphy shoes or that I've got to uh, have, a, have a, a certain kind of ball cap or I've got to have this or I've got to have that, then the appearances go beyond that. They go to, well, I've got to have a well-manicured lawn or I've got to have a beautiful-looking car. I mean, I have literally known people that have told me, preacher, I can't come to church this Sunday because I've got to mow the yard. I mean, their focus was wrong. It was on the external. It was what I've got to do to make my appearances look good. And we're so oftentimes, too oftentimes, consumed with what the Joneses look like. And we need to be concerned what God wants us to look like. We need to be concerned about that. The point is this. Don't let appearances take center stage. Don't let appearances take center stage. Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep thy heart with what? All diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Don't let the world define to you what beautiful is. God has defined it already. The world tells you, women, that the more skin you reveal, the prettier you are. The world tells you men that, uh, tells men that the bigger your muscles are and the bigger your bank account are, the more handsome you are. Uh, the world is wrong and has always been wrong. God has a standard of what is beautiful and what is good and what is right. And it's not found in the mirrors of Macy's or Nordstrom's or TJ Maxx or Ross or Home Depot or Academy, okay? Those are not, the, that's the external. And if we're not careful, we'll walk in this world and we'll be so focused on the external that we forget that God is concerned too with the internal. And whenever we let God begin to work here, here, then he will show it out here. God says in his word that holiness is beautiful. Turn in your Bibles over to 2 Chronicles chapter number 20 and verse number 21. 
We see a wrong look, a focus on the external, that taking center stage. That is what is important in life. I mean, I just, I'm going to sit that again. I mean, guys do this too. I mean, they do it with their guns. <laughs> we do it with our trucks. People do it with their sound systems. It, it, it doesn't have to, I'm not talking, I'm not just talking about wearing a certain necklace. It's, it's everything. You understand that? It's everything. Everything we got to focus off the external. And see that God's got something better for us. Second Chronicles chapter number 20 in verses number 20 and 21, God says that holiness is beautiful. First Chronicles 16, 29 says this, Give unto the, glory, the Lord the glory that is due unto his name. Bring an offering before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. It says it again in Psalm 29, 2, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And again in Psalm 96, 9, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. You're in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20 and verse number 20. The Bible teaches us there that there was a big war that was about to take place between uh, the Israelites and the uh, children of Ammon and children of Moab and the children of, 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 of Edom. And the point is, is that they're about to have this big fight and Jehoshaphat the king comes out and says, no, 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 we're not going to fight right yet, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to appoint some singers, and they're all going to come out first. It's the first time that I've ever seen that a choir won a battle. But the choir comes out, they stand out there in front of everybody, and they, Jehoshaphat says, this is what you're going to sing. You're going to sing for us, in verse number 20 at the end, believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe his prophets. So shall you prosper. And when he had consulted the people, he appointed the singers unto them, and that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing them to praise the Lord, set the, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. I've never seen a choir win a battle until that passage right there. But God used a choir because they began to sing the praises of God. But one of those things they sang about is this, is the beauty of holiness. And may I just kind of infer this in this past passage right here. Did you see who was fighting them? Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Do you know who that is? That's their family members. That's their long-distant relatives. Do you know who will pressure you more to look like the world than anybody else? Your family members. And when you start to live for God, they're going to probably bounce back a little bit and say, aren't you getting a little bit too religious? Aren't you getting a little bit too holy? Aren't you kind of getting a little bit too much into this thing? Aren't you kind of taking this thing a little bit too seriously? I mean, I don't care if you go to church on Sundays and everything, but I mean, do you really have to let it affect your life? Yes, we do. We let it affect us. We let it change us. We want to be holy because why? Because God is holy. These singers weren't concerned if their outfits pleased the crowd. No, they were at opposing views. And the only way to truly worship God is in the beauty of holiness. In order to have worshipful praise unto God in your heart, we must be living for the glory of God. Do you want the praise? Do you want the glory? Is that, then we're not living holy. If you want the praise, if you want the glory, do you want people to see you? I mean, that's what was happening in Isaiah 3. That was what the whole thing was about, is that these ladies were prideful. They were dressing this way in order that they might be seen. 
Uh, ladies, look nice for your husband, okay? All right? Men, look nice for your wives, okay? I'm not saying that. But let's not focus on the external. Let us not let that be number one thing, but let God's holiness be the thing that drives us closer to Him. We want to do we want the praise or do we want God to get the praise? Do we want to live in a manner that's pleasing to Him? Trust God in the most difficult of circumstances. Live for God. Turn the other cheek. Return good for evil. Love your neighbor. Have a pure heart. Have pure eyes. You know what that is called? That is beautiful to God, my friend. That is beautiful to God. When we live righteously and holy and godly in this present world, that is beautiful to God. God says that's beautiful. That's beautiful. We say that too. We see somebody do a, we see somebody run, I've never, and, and, and I, you know, I mean, the guy must have really loved his dog. I saw this video of this guy, he just runs right into a burning building, grabs his dog, and comes out burning. Some of you might say, that's a beautiful situation. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's. You see somebody help somebody on the side of the road that maybe uh, they need some help. You say, man, that's beautiful. Do you think that God is any less than what we are? Do you not think that God, whenever he sees us following his word and living out his word and living out his holy word, sometimes we get this idea that, that holiness, that, that means that I've got to sit up straight in church and I've got to sing like this, oh, praise, you know what I mean? We've got to sing the, the, the right notes and we've got to sing. And we think that holiness in our minds is, is this idea that I've got to sit up straight, I've got to be, uh, 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 I've got to have the right clothes on, I've got to say the right words, I've got to make sure that I don't uh, say this and not do that, I've got to listen to the right music, I don't know. I gotta, I've got to have all of this list and everything that in order that I might be holy. But here's the thing is that the list that we're oftentimes missing is found in the Beatitudes. It's found in the Matthew. It's not found in the Sermon on the Mount. It's found whenever we get stuck in traffic and we're not very happy about it and we got somewhere to go. Instead of getting frustrated and irritated and yelling at our kids, shut up! That we actually have a godly response. You see, God says that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. Flee also youthful lust and follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Let us draw near unto God with a true heart. Let us love one another with a pure heart fervently. Let a woman be dressed in modest apparel, as it says, but also let her express herself in this way. Let it be of the hidden man of the heart, which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the great sight of God of great price. My, my friend, understand that God sees beauty in a different way than this world perceives beauty. This world has a definition of beauty, and God has a definition of beauty. We're on opposing teams, my friend. Don't try to line your views up with the world. Line them up with God. Line them up with God. And you ask God, what is holy? Because God, what is holy is what is beautiful. There's a wrong look. There's a worshipful look. But there's a wise look. I almost threw this point out, but 
I thought it went so well with the first point. It has to go here. Holiness is beautiful to God. But telling others about Jesus Christ is beautiful to God. So why'd you have to put it in there? It's because when we get so focused on the external, we not only see the external on ourselves, but I see Marco's external and John's external and your external and her external. And I forget that man and woman are more than body, but they are also a soul. There's a soul living in every single person that you meet today. Every single person. And that soul is going to heaven or it's going to hell. It's eternal. Romans says it plainly. He says, and how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Don't get focused on the external that you miss out that there are people that are lost and dying that need a Savior. Take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Is it not more than what this is? Is, a life, is, is life more than what I'm wearing right now? Is, it more, is, is, life more, is, is, is there more to life than this? Yes, there is. People have an eternal soul. And they might be dressed in Gucci or Calvin Klein. Or they might be wearing rags or have gauges in their ears or tattoos on their face. Or, or they might be dressed modestly and perfectly and wearing a suit and tie. It doesn't matter. They all have souls. That needs somebody to tell them that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And he loves them. And he cares for them. And that soul is going to spend an eternity somewhere. The, probably the greatest threat to us trying to measure up to the standards that the world has set for us. Is not so much that we fail in worshiping God. But we fail in telling others about Jesus Christ. Because we're so consumed with the external. With the external. We're too worried about my crisping pins and my wimples and my round tires, if you will. And my mufflers. Or may I say it like this. I'm too concerned with about mowing my yard or building my bank account. I'm too concerned about if my shoes match my skirt and I'm too concerned about my health, is my health right? And I'm too concerned about what I'm wearing and what I'm doing and the way I look. And I forget that there are people that are dying and lost every single day that are dying and going to hell. I don't care where you shop at necessarily. But the next time you shop somewhere, then why don't you, whatever you're buying, and buying, say to the clerk behind the counter, you know what, I don't know if, I've ever, if you've ever gotten one of these before. But this right here can tell you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. Also on the back here, there is an invitation uh, to our church in the service times. We'd love for you to come by sometime and see us. If you can't say that to somebody because of what you're buying... That might be another thing to deal with right there, another sermon. 
But can we all can say that. We all can make that comment. We all can simply give out a gospel tract. I was at HEB this morning. I had to buy some jet puffed marshmallows for the craft over here. I don't know what the game is and everything. Just called for jet puffed marshmallows and I was sent to get it, all right? I didn't ask questions, all right? I don't have to do the children's church and everything. And if anybody else would like to volunteer to help with that, my wife would be glad to. But don't know where that came from, but anyhow. Three bags of jet puff marshmallows. I got the Hill Country Fair because they were only 83 cents, all right? So not the dollar forty-eight ones. Two ladies standing there. I said, I know it's Sunday and I know y'all gotta work. I said, but you know what? I said, we offer service times on Sunday night and Wednesday night. I'd like to be able to give y'all a track and tell you, you know what? Jesus loves you. Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? No, I'm not. Well, ma'am, I know you've got a line here, but on this back of this card right here, you can know for sure that you're going to heaven through Jesus Christ. You know what's amazing to me? 99% of the people that I've ever done that to, especially in stores and other places, they don't get mad at me. They say thank you. They say, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know what that means. I don't know what they'll do with it. But you know what? I'm not, I don't have to worry about what they're going to do with that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the one that can save them anyhow. Folks, we're just the messenger. And when we give the message of Jesus Christ to somebody, that is beautiful to God. It's beautiful to God. God loves it. For the Bible says there is joy in the presence of these angels over one sinner that repenteth. One. You say, what if I went my whole life and only one person got saved? It'd be worth it. You say, what if nobody got saved? It'd be worth it because you know why? You'd be pleasing the almighty God. Who are you living for anyhow? If we're like the Pharisees, if we're like the women of Israel, you know what we're living for? Me. External. External. But you know what the problem with external beauty is? It fades away. It fades, man. Just look at Hollywood. They use those beautiful women and beautiful guys. They use them, abuse them, and then throw them to the curb when they're not beautiful anymore. When not beautiful anymore, you're done. But you know what, my friend? God sees beauty in every single person because he sees the soul. And he sees somebody, somebody that needs the Lord. Do we see people that need the Lord? Wherever God takes you, see people that need the Lord. See that God standard for beauty is holiness. And may God help us all to see what God beholds as beauty. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. What is God beholding as beauty? Holiness. Telling others about Christ. May God give us the grace Give us the grace to live in such a way.
Father, we're thankful for what 